Welcome to Balance with Carmen and Ashi, your lifestyle podcast. We're two busy mums trying to find some balance in our lives. We're here to discuss important topics and to have some fun along the way. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. So today we have Amanda, busy mum of two, business owner of Herbador and Plant Provador, and blogger of plant-based parenting. How are you, Amanda? I'm good. Thank you, Carmen. That's great. Um, Amanda and I have actually been friends for how long now? Over 10 years? Yeah, a very long time, probably about 2013 or 2012. Yeah, so about 10 years now. Yeah, we've gone through it all together, kids, everything. (laughs) I know. It was really funny because... Like we got married around the same time and then we had had our first babies around the same time. Yeah, true. And the second and my third were the your same third, time. Too. Third and your, my second, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like when I go through all the big milestones with friends. It's really nice. Yeah. So Ash couldn't be here today, unfortunately. Her child has conjunctivitis and she had to get to the doctor and they could only see her right on the time that we had scheduled for the recording. (laughs) And she said to me, she's like, Carmen, just make sure this recording goes ahead. We're not rescheduling again. (laughs) I know, it seems to be a thing at the moment with everyone is getting sick and kids are getting sick and it's just going around and around and around. I know, like between the three of us, we've had to reschedule with sickness so many times now. Um, I actually had a question for you from Ash about how you, any tips you might have for natural remedies for the children, because obviously we don't like putting too many medications into them. So what are some tips that you have for all the cold and flu symptoms? Um, oh, I would just say like, I'm not a doctor, so I just go off what. I've sort of seen other people talk about online that are immunologists or doctors and things like that. Um, And it's really hard for the little ones because they're so sensitive to everything. Um, So there's there's some prebiotics and probiotics that you can get from from health food stores that are really good for the little ones um, that can help. Um, We tend to do like just like a little bit of time outside in the fresh air and sunshine as much as we can. Um, so that it's a bit hard at the moment because it's raining today and very cold, but on the days that it is sunny, we try and get outside in the fresh air and and get some sunshine. Um, Oh, I, yeah, there's, there's, it's really hard with the little ones because there's just not too many things that you can do. Um, People can look into homeopathy if they, if that sort of area inspires them or they feel inclined to do that. It might be another avenue to look at fresh fruit and fresh food. Um, as much as the little ones will eat, um, my, I'm lucky. My boys eat a lot of fruit, so we get like strawberries, blueberries, all of those kind of, those kind of things, um, and just try and get them as much fresh fruit and vegetables as possible. Um, it's yeah, it's really hard at the moment because everyone's immune system's so down from being locked up for for two years um, that everyone's just getting everything that's going around and yeah, just passing it on. I know. And it is hard with kids. Like you said, it's, you kind of just have to write it out and wait for them to get better. So I, the reason I do ask you for your opinion on it, knowing you're not a doctor, of course, um, is the fact that you do 
have such a wide knowledge on natural things in general. And I do find that really inspiring in a way because I know nothing about natural options. (laughs) So you're probably my go-to when it comes to that. Now, we had a chat about um, your plant-based lifestyle and being vegan. And I know that there's or you probably do get some negativity around it. Like, um, how do you deal with that? Because I know that society has, like, we've come far. I do find that there's a lot of vegans and um, a lot of options for vegans out there, and we'll go into your businesses in a minute. But I do want to know, um, how do you kind of deal with the negativity around it? It's funny because I guess I've been vegan and vegetarian for so long that I don't really even think about it a lot now. Um, So people's opinions don't really like matter to me about this kind of decision unless it's like obviously coming from a well-meaning place like a health professional or something someone that actually might know what they're talking about and then I'll obviously weigh up their advice um, based on what I know and what uh, the other like opinions of other qualified people I, I have in my network are um, but yeah just general people it doesn't really tend to bother me because they don't necessarily know what they're talking about they're just coming from their own personal experiences or personal preferences and yeah I just just tend to block it out um or if I feel if I'm having a particularly day where I feel like causing some shit I might stir the pot a little bit (laughs) um, and make a comment like there was a comment on one of our um our Facebook posts yesterday about if animals are so tasty, why are they made of, of meat that you can eat? And I go, well, they're made from the same stuff of humans. So what are you saying? <laughs> Good. Like you should stand up for yourself and what your choices and everything. So, and if they're going to be keyboard warriors, like at least be educated before you want to go at someone, you know? Yeah. It's just more says more about the person than it does about, about me or anything that I'm doing it comes from their sort of lack of knowledge or lack of experience or lack of understanding of the, of the situation. Um, and everyone has their own lived experiences. So it is just one of those things that you just either, yeah, if, if people are open to being educated or open to having a conversation, then that's, that's fine. I'm happy to have a conversation with people. Um, but it's not my job to go around and try and convert people or like go on a crusade or anything like that to people or, or be angry at people that I don't even know for their choices. Like that I have better things to do with my time. I just would rather be positive and just do what I do. And if people want to have a conversation, then I'll have a conversation. But I think a lot of people who do, uh, do initially kind of, um, like transition to veganism, they can become quite like real like I've got to change the world and then when you get to a point like I've been vegan now like 11 or 12 years and I was vegetarian for about 10 years before that so like longer than a lot of people have been alive um you just get to a point where you just realize that you can't go around just like try to change everyone you get burnt out you can't keep that level of intensity up for like 12 years yeah, that's true. Um, so, yeah, that was my first question, how long you've been vegan for. So um, 10, 11 years, that's a long time. And um, why are you vegan and um, what made you make that decision? I will, I was very unhealthy and I was already vegetarian and I was very unhealthy and I also started to learn about like the dairy industry and how the male baby male calves would like because there's no use for them 
they'd get sent off to, to slaughter um, and the male chicks would just get crushed up and, and, and put through this seed to crush them up because there's no use for them. Um, and so that was their byproducts of an industry and I felt like I can't contribute to that anymore. Um, one of the reasons why I was vegetarian was I didn't want to contribute to animal cruelty but the two, those two choices were still contributing to animal cruelty. So it was became a pretty obvious choice to then go vegan. Um, and I was lucky at a time when I went vegan that the, the only option really was the healthy options. So there wasn't an abundance of all these like burgers and um, junk food that there was now, like all pretty much all, all chips in the shop had milk solids in them. So you were just like, oh, well, the, the only option is the healthy option. I'll just make do. And yeah now now we've we've got an abundance of food so it's yeah it makes it a lot harder to be a healthy vegan (laughs) that's actually funny that you say that because in my mind um yeah you would be quite healthy but yeah like you said there's probably such a large variety of processed options available now as well yeah there definitely is and it's yeah it's harder to to maintain a healthy vegan diet now I guess because there's like you could go in and buy tubs of ice cream, whereas before there was like one option. Now there's like all different flavors, all different sizes. You can go in and buy all the chocolate bars. There's so many different delicious ones. Like when I went vegan, there was like one cheese and it tasted like what dirty old socks smelt like. So you're <laughs> like, oh, I think I'll just stick to the fruits and vegetables. Was that the nut cheese like back in the day? Uh, it was called Cheesley, I'm pretty sure, and they're still around, so they must have improved their recipe. Um, but, yeah, they were um, they were just, like, in this tube like a sausage and you'd squeeze it out. And there was, like, tofuti, to- tofuti, I think that's the – and they had, like, these slices that were, like, just, like, rubber as well. And so they did they, – they served a purpose back there, but now the, the products far exceed what anything back then could have ever imagined. Yeah, because I remember when I first met you, I was pretty much pescatarian, borderlining vegetarian, and I I have considered going vegan at that time. But yeah, as you said, there were very limited options available, and I think that was a bit of a turnoff for me because for myself, it was more of a health side of things, not so much the ethical side. Growing up in South Africa and the farm, and there was cattle, and they served their purpose with like meat and all that, and hunting growing up it's I came from a completely different background so for me it was a completely different view on those topics and when it came to changing to that lifestyle for food I just couldn't live with the fact that there wasn't many alternative options whereas now there are so many it's probably something you could reconsider because I don't actually find myself eating that much meat anymore anyway and most of the time it is only fish so I'm back to being basically pescatarian again (laughs) so I'm slowly making my way back that way now (laughs) yeah and I mean there's so many good cheeses now that are nut based so like cashew ones and macadamia ones and I think that they would taste they taste even better I can't remember what cheese tastes like now but just having something that's yet like a real wholesome nut based cheese is just it's just really like satisfying and they have like such a good consistency now there's really there's no need if you don't want to to eat eat dairy if it's like something that you are constantly finding like a mental battle with yourself that you don't want to but you're like oh I'm going to be missing out and there's just nothing no options out there there certainly is now you just have to find the ones that that you enjoy 
Well, even for myself with coffee, the milks have come such a long way. I used to drink um, milk coffees and now I actually, I've changed to oat milk. Um, I was on almond for a little while and I never used to be a milk snob. And now I ask them, what milk do you use? Because I like a particular oat milk and I like a particular almond milk. So I'm that person that actually wants to see which milk they use now. But yeah, it's delicious. I never knew that alternative milks can be that good. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, it's come a long way. Like my OG is Bonsoy. It's always been for me one of the one of the best. Um, and there's definitely some really good oat milks that are coming up now. I've never really been one for almond milk. I think it, with coffee, it really throws like a more bitter flavour. Um, I'll have it in smoothies and things like that. I actually like the alternative dairy company. Their almond milk is quite yum. We get their oat milk. Matt really likes their oat milk. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. So um, with your kids then, are they vegan as well? They are. They will, at the moment, they can't really be vegan because vegan is a, a moral and ethical stance. So you sort of have to choose to be vegan. At the moment, they follow a plant-based diet and lifestyle. We don't give them any animal products. There's no animal products in our house. Um, so they, yeah, we would say that they follow like a plant-based lifestyle and we haven't really started too much teaching them about why or anything. I haven't really had too many questions. It's just what we do. But I guess as they get a bit older, they'll start to ask a bit more questions about why we don't do or don't have certain foods and why we make those choices. And I guess at the end of the day, they're not really being made to have anything in particular. Most households, the children will eat what the parent eat anyway. So and in your case, they're having fruit and veggies, which most children won't have. My kids refuse to eat majority of the fruit and veggie food group. So um, we're lucky if they eat blueberries and grapes and bananas. That is literally it. Well, both of mine love broccoli. That's why I'm, I don't even know. I don't like broccoli. So I'm, something, something's happened there. So that's, that's exciting. They'll sit there and eat raw broccoli or just like plain steamed broccoli. I'm like, oh. You guys, thank goodness you eat at least that. And then they just eat, will we'll eat plain rice. They eat the most boring food. And I'm just like, how can you sit there and eat that? Like I'll make this beautiful, like Mexican dish. We get like, put it all out in it. So it's like they can pick the fruit, the different salads and stuff they want on their tacos. And they'll literally just get the rice and some of the cucumber or something like that and just like eat it. And I'm just like, there's so much more choice. And you just want to eat those two things, but it is what it is. And we just keep putting it out and eventually they will want to try more things. Yeah. Now, do you think that being, I'll refer to it as a plant-based lifestyle rather than vegan, because I now understand the difference between vegan being, actually, would you like to explain the difference just so people understand um, that as well, please? Yes. So vegan is more of a moral and ethical stance where you avoid um avoid animal products as much as possible and practical. So in, in modern society, it's obviously hard, hard to um, avoid them 100%. Like if you need to take certain medications, they've obviously been tested on animals and things like that. So it's just avoiding animal products as far as possible and practical. Um, whereas eating a plant-based diet just refers to the type of foods you're eating more so. So like if you're eating a wholly plant-based diet, you'd be eating vegan, um, but it's not got nothing necessarily to do with the ethics and moral side of it okay cool so do you find 
being on a plant-based diet takes a lot more work than someone who wouldn't be, for example, when it comes to ensuring that you get all the nutrients and macros that you require? Um, Possibly if you're transitioning from eating like a a standard, I guess a pretty standard diet, um, it might take some thought in the beginning. But you, when you start to get into it, you start to realise like how deficient that a standard diet can be as well. Um, and that's why there is so much illness, sickness, chronic disease and things like that is because there is so much just like malnutrition, I guess, in that the fact that you're not getting all the nutrients and everything that you need on a standard diet. Um, so you do have to get a little bit more creative in the beginning if you wanted to, I guess, more so the thing that you might be missing is feeling that full feeling. Because when you're eating a lot of plant foods, you don't necessarily get that full feeling right away. Um, so you have to eat a lot more volume. Because um, a lot of like leafy greens and things like that are very, very dense, but they're very low in calories. They're full of nutrients and full of vitamins and full of like phytonutrients um, and all these different things that we do need, but they are, aren't very calorie dense. So you might find yourself hungry again in a couple of hours' time. So it's just being aware of that and planning that, you, that that's something that's going to be possible that you need to possibly eat more regularly in the beginning or more volume um, of food just so you can feel satisfied um, yeah. because I think one of the issues people do tend to experience when they transition is they start to feel tired and run down and that's not necessarily because the diet's deficient it could be because you are used to eating a certain way and maybe having like a small plate of food but if you're just subbing out certain be- certain non-vegan things for vegan things, um, you might not be eating enough calories. Okay, yeah. And I do find that when I have a lot of protein in my diet, I do tend to fill up for faster and longer as well. So do you need to make a lot of conscious decisions when it comes to higher protein foods then? Because obviously in a lot of fruit and veg, there wouldn't be a lot of protein. So what do you do to make sure you get enough protein in? I don't really, I don't really do too much. I just try and pick an abundance of different foods. So I don't having a look at like fruits and vegetables like this and then going to have a look at the starchier carbs. So like sweet potato, potato, rices, things like that, noodles, pasta, and then building something around legumes or beans or tofu or tempeh mm. and having a think about how to put all of that together in the meal so that you feel fuller uh, rather than going, oh, well, I need to definitely think about proteins carbs and fats. It's, everything sort of contains different ratios of all of those macronutrients. It's about going, okay, well, what fresh fresh fruit and vegetables, what starchier things can I put into this dish and what high protein things can I put in when it comes to beans, lentils, things like that. So what health benefits have you seen within yourself following this lifestyle if you had to compare it to previous ways of eating prior to becoming plant-based? Uh, so I was more overweight before I went plant-based. Um, I also had like pretty chronic inflammation um, and some like arthritis in my joints and things like that. So that was, it was quite debilitating. I was only in my like early to mid twenties and yeah, that was really, I guess, kind of depressing to be going through that at such a young age. Um, And when I was kind of looking for what solutions there were to that, it was like either going on steroids and all these different kinds of medication um, or uh, 
I found people that were were like being able to reverse these type of things with a whole food plant-based diet. And so I started researching that. Read, when I was looking into it, there wasn't much information online. So I read books like The China Study um, by T. Colin Campbell. I ended up doing his um, course through eHarvard, e um, which was really like eye-opening and sort of gave me that structure in the beginning to feel confident. There was books like by Brendan Brazier called Thrive, and he also had a recipe book. Uh, but the original book that I read was called Skinny Bitch. Um, <laughs> the, title, the title was really good. It was like one of the OG plant-based. And it wasn't even like anything to do with going plant-based. Like the premise was not anything about that. But that's what they, once you were reading it, that's what they were trying to get you to do was to adopt a whole food plant-based diet. And so reading these different books, um, and learning about this this lifestyle, I was like, okay, well, let's give it a shot. Like, well, the option is medications, and so I did. That wasn't really where I wanted to be in my early twenties, so I was just like, okay, well, what have I got to lose? And I haven't really ever looked back. Wow, that's amazing. Knowing that food can really be medication, it certainly can. I think it's just also like taking the burden off your system, like we deal with so many different outward pressures or inward pressures on our on our system so like pollution in the environment stress food pollutants in the air like all these different things toxins in our home and they're all just coming at us constantly every single day in modern society so we need to start to remove some of the burdens it's not just one thing it's not just say diet that's causing all these issues it's just the abundance of issues that are just we're faced with. And so we need to start going, okay, well, how can I take some of this burden off my system? How can I de-stress because I'm so wound up every day? How can I eat better so that my, my digestion and stuff is, is better? How can I remove some of these toxins from my environment and minimise my exposure to pollutants? Because you can't get rid of it altogether. You just have to try and do the best that you can with what we've got. Yeah. I do sometimes feel like I wish I could go live off the grid on a farm and just be self-sustained and like just take care of, but I can't keep things alive. So I don't think I'll be able to grow my own veggie patch and live that off the grid, but it does sound nice sometimes, especially with how society is becoming and <laughs> it would be nice. Oh, I like my goal too. And I struggle to keep things alive. But I figure, like, if you're just planting it outside in your lovely garden, I mean, my my veggie patch at home is just, like, random seeds that I'm just like, okay, let's just throw it in here and see if it survives. So I had, like, a, a papaya tree now. Um, what else? We've got some onions growing. And it's just, like, literally been things that, from it, like, we've been eating or from our fruit bowl that have just, like, gone, okay, we'll just, like, our onion studs sprouts. And we're like, oh, we'll just try planting them in the garden and see if they grow. That sounds so good. Do the kids enjoy like watering it and looking at it grow? I uh, guess yeah, sometimes like they try and pick all, like there's some strawberries out there. Um, they try and pick them before they're ready. So it's just, it's just a balancing act. Um, they prefer to dig in their sand pit at the moment, but with their diggers. That's cute. I've seen that. Was it, um, was it your dad that built the sand pit? Uh, my dad built a sand pit for, for Morrison with the shade cover and everything on the top, yeah. Yeah, it's such a good sand pit. I refuse to have a sand pit. That is the one thing I do not want is sand in the house. 
I don't blame you. There is constantly sand in our house. It's a losing battle, especially because Matt takes them down to the beach like every day too. So yeah, I whenever they come home from daycare and I take their shoes off and I just get a little bit of sand in one area, it drives me nuts. So I can't imagine them bringing it all inside. But I guess people living near the beach would have that issue all the time. You just end up living with it. <laughs> I'm just always amusing by vacuum. Yeah, true. <laughs> I want to touch base on your businesses next. So um, how you came about the idea of starting Herbador. Let's start with Herbador because I love the name. I want you to tell us everything from the name to what you guys do and, yeah, just a bit of a shout-out to your business. Well, thank you. I came up with the name. Matt was just going with some random name that was to do with because we were overseas. And um, we had travelled just for our honeymoon and then we went over to England um, and Matt was working as like a live-in PT and um, doing meal prep for an entrepreneur over there. And so he was like helping Matt with his fasting programs and stuff like that and that he called that triple two meals. And so he was just calling Herbert or triple two meals. And I'm like, no, that doesn't make any sense for like what we're doing. So I came up I don't even know where I thought of Herbador I was like herbivore and it's like little and we're delivering to people's doors so herbivore um it's cute but it does and people think you say herbivore all the time so in hindsight I probably should have thought about that a bit more I think it's a brilliant name I think herbivore and it's door to door and herbivore it can't be any better I think it's perfect <laughs> oh thank you um, and yeah, we just had come back from overseas and we're like, well, what, what do we do next? Um, we were going to start doing more PT and that's like, oh, well, we had access to this kitchen um, through the surf club and through some of my mum's friends. So we're like, oh, well, let's just put a thing out on the local buy swap and sell group in Pottsville and see if anyone wants any meals made. And so Matt put a little, little post up and a few people got in contact with him and he took payment for their meals and he was like, okay, well, I guess I'm cooking some meals now. And so we had $200 and so he went out and bought all the ingredients and yeah, it just grew from there. And then so the next week he did the same and a few more people started saying, yeah, let's, let's buy some meals. And then all of a sudden he's cooking for 10 people and 15 people and 20 people. And then he's like, oh, well, let's start to, open up to the Gold Coast and more areas. And so that we're doing our own deliveries all the way up to Gold Coast and then all the way up to Brisbane. And, yeah, just has grown, grown slowly from there. Yeah, I saw you guys on the news with it. And um, so if you had to describe the business, like a very quick summary, um, how would you describe it? We make plant-based meals and deliver them to your door. Perfect. So I think that's great. It's like a, the U foods for vegans or plant-based, I should say. <laughs> um, I love that. And then you just mentioned earlier a new business venture. Can you explain what Plant Provador is? Late last year, we were using a lot of different companies, like plant-based meats and things like that in our cooking. And that was like, well, why don't I have a play around with some? Because one, like supply issues are just insane. So that you can be have a constant supply of something and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, whoops, we couldn't get any more. So you just got to have to wait. And poor consistency of products and everything like that. We're just like, oh, how about we have a go at making our own? So he had a go. He's like, 
constantly refining it and now he's obviously got some of the team here now as well um, and they help him with that process and so he's created some some plant-based meats we have a steak which is kind of some people get a bit offended by that but <laughs> oh well um, so yeah we have a vegan steak we have a brisket uh, we have rissoles we have some chicken products and we have a lamb product which I it's a great product, but I can't eat it because it tastes too realistic to me. That's crazy. Now, I actually have a question about that, which I see online all the time, and you're going to be asked this, so I figured why not just get ahead and ask. Um, why would someone who is plant-based choosing not to eat meat go and make a product that basically is like that meat. So if you can't eat a real steak, why would you go make something that is like a steak? Well, I guess it comes down to, well, you don't want to participate in the the whole cruelty to animals and in the food system that is that way. Um, so it's not necessarily that you miss, you don't like the taste, like Matt likes the taste of meat, but it's just that he's chosen not to participate in the food system because it's broken. And the way animals are treated in factory farming isn't, ideal or is it very good at all so just wanting to recreate a product without that cruelty and I guess that's one of the main reasons why is not all vegans are vegan because they hate the taste of beef like that's personally like one of my reasons but it's for a lot of people that are choosing to be like flexitarian or just reduce their consumption of meat they're not necessarily wanting to yeah, go for something that's totally different to meat they they're wanting options that are kind of like meat that they know what to do with, that they're familiar with. They know how to cook that type of way. They're not wanting to have to reinvent their whole kitchen or really think about recipes or or how to get all the essential vitamins and nutrients and everything like that. They're wanting to go, okay, well, this is this is like a meat product, but I'm having meat-free Mondays, so this is real easy for me to be able to have my meat-free Monday and know that I'm still eating something that's high in protein, that tastes good, that, yeah, I can, I can yeah, enjoy so it is still high in protein like meat would be too then? Uh, yes. Um, I think some of the products are actually higher in protein than what meat is. Um, this, we don't use any sort of fillers or anything like that in them. They're all based off vital wheat gluten, which is just like a loaf of bread. And then we put lentils, pulses, things like that in it to keep it like high in protein and whole foods based. And so you get like the vitamins and the essential nutrients and things like that in it. Um, and then it's just seasoning. There's something like 20 ingredients in it, but, yeah, that's pretty much the whole premise for it. We don't use, like, any fillers or anything. Um, it's all, yeah, based around whole foods. Because I do remember about 10 years ago when veggie patties were very popular and they were extremely high in carbs. Is that still the case as well? Uh, well, it depends on what, what kind of carbs you're, you're like thinking. Whole foods carbs aren't necessarily a bad thing. That's just vegetables. It's like processed carbohydrates that you are more so wanting to steer away from because they're low in like the nutrients and everything that your body needs. So if you're eating a veggie patty that's say based on fruit, like based on vegetables um, and lentils and pulses and things like that, that's not necessarily a bad form of carbohydrates because you're getting all the fiber, you're getting all the nutrients, you're getting all the vitamins with that. Um, more issue is when you're going for something that's ultra processed, that's high in carbs because that's devoid of all of that extra nutrients, fiber and all of that. 
That's a good point because meat doesn't sit well with me anymore. I've noticed that red meat I really struggle to eat large quantities of. And so for maybe finding an alternative that's still high in the protein but actually has some good carbs in it as well because I used to be in the mindset of, oh, carbs are bad. But now that I'm running and everything, I actually try to have more good carbs and I'm making a choice to have carbs for the first time in my life where I used to try to stay away from them. So that might be a good option having that where it's both good carbs and protein and it might sit better but still taste like meat. Yeah, definitely. While we're on the topic of the vegan meats, um, I did have a question from one of our Facebook members about I'll actually just read it straight out. It says, from a nutritional point of view, with the preservatives in fake meat, is it better to just eat real meat if you are not vegan for ethical reasons? Because in my mind, processed fake meats seem bad because of being a processed food. Well, that's one of the reasons why we've created our products is because we wanted to stay away from a lot of the preservatives and things like that. Um, But there are preservatives in meat. Like when you go to the butcher shop, they've had to do things to that meat so that it stays a certain colour, it stays a certain, like because you're putting it out in the fridge and you're sitting it out there for people to see. And so they have added things to it. It's not like you're just eating the meat product. Like for one example, one of the ingredients is sausages, methyl cellulose. Um, They use it in a lot of plant-based products, but it's also used primarily in a lot of meat-based sausages. so there's that ingredient in particular that, yeah, one of the biggest consumers of methyl cellulose is the animal product in an industry um, in terms of putting it in their, their sausages, their rissoles, their beef patties, things like that to, to fill it out and, and create as a binding agent. Um, so it's not necessarily whether plant-based options are bad and whether the meat is good or whether plant-based options are good and meat is bad. Like there's different different like scenarios where either could be a viable option but it just depends on what your ethics are if you're not wanting to participate in animal cruelty and factory farming cycles and things like that um then it's probably like if something's not sitting right with you there then then it's probably like there's healthy choices when it comes to what kind of um plant-based products you can choose now like it's not like you have to go out and get the greasy burger there's there's healthier options when it comes to that too um and yeah that's one of the reasons why we are creating what like our plant-based products was because we didn't want necessarily to be like another sausage or another burger patty and we didn't want to be have all those fillers and all the um, preservatives and things in it but you just have to also think that yeah with the animal products there's there are things added to it to keep it the consistency and the color that it is um, and they don't necessarily have to declare that on the packet. Doesn't steak actually go grey, I think? Well, if you if you leave like meat sitting, it will start to go grey. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Another question we received from our Facebook group was um, they would like to know what the a day on the plate of an athlete would look like um, who's vegan uh, to meet nutritional protein needs and other than vegetables and tofu, how can you think outside the box for meal ideas? I mean, they could just sign up to Herbador, but um, <laughs> the yeah, maybe just like a day in the plate of just sign up to Herbador, then you don't have to think about it. Um, no, so well, when I'm competing, do you want to go through my compete competition? I haven't competed for obviously I've had kids, so 
I've been competed for a few years, but my diet is pretty simple when I do that and it's pretty easy to follow. Um, so I'd start the day either generally with oats, so something like half a cup to a cup of oats, mix in some protein powder, have blueberries and strawberries in there and just do it with water and maybe add some flax seed or LSA mix. Then after training, have a smoothie, so like lots of berries, spinach, coconut water, some, a little bit more protein powder. I sort of would have no more than about um, like an entire scoop of protein powder for a whole day, so like half in my oats, half in my smoothie because um, you don't want to get reliant on, on protein powders and things like that either. Like it's just to kind of help when you're training heavy. And, yeah, just add, maybe add like one a Brazil nut or something like that for a bit of selenium. Lunch would be something like, again, just thinking about back to the floor, about how to set your plate up so you have like a starchy part, so potato, sweet potato, rice, maybe some type of like um, rice noodle or something, um, tofu, tempeh, beans, legumes, pulses, and then mixing, mixing your fresh veggies through. I would track when I'm competing, so using my fitness pal. Um, I think that if you are in a place where you have no idea what you're eating and no sort of idea about like if you're trying to achieve a certain goal, like where you are or what you're doing, using something like MyFitnessPal can sort of help you get that mindset around what you are eating and take control of that um, and be able to see maybe if you are snacking on things when you're when you don't think that you are because some of us do like I do all the time like I'm in the kitchen making food for the kids and I'll just like pop things in my mouth and that kind of stuff if you're doing that multiple times a day is we're in the kitchen making stuff all the time we're just popping it in our mouth and it all it, it can get away from you um and then dinner's pretty much the same thing though um I it's just like thinking about the plate thinking about yeah, carb sauce fresh sauce and and yeah obviously like the the whole food source of protein thank you that is a very good rundown and so many of the foods are things that i already eat and i never really realized that oats has protein in it already yeah i just always thought it was just a carb <laughs> you remember it's like different quantities of all the different macronutrients in, in pretty much all whole foods so whether that's fats carbs or protein it's in everything is just in different ratios and so that's why I don't tend to put too much thought into that unless I am training for a, for a specific goal because you are get, going to if you're eating enough whole foods and eating enough fiber like fiber is one thing that a lot, of pe- lot more people need to put more focus on um, because so many people are deficient in fiber and it serves such a, an important role for our gut microbiome and the research on gut microbiomes is just starting to evolve and become more common knowledge and it's going to be such a big focus I think when it comes to health longevity and overall wellness as we as we move forward because it's so our our microbiomes are so diverse yeah and your gut health affects so much even your mental clarity yeah for sure another question that we had was what are some staple ingredients but you've covered that really well in your last answer and another question you did mention it briefly in the beginning but i do want to touch on that again was do you ever feel tired from eating the plant-based way um like you have a lack of energy and i think you did mention about in the beginning when you start just you have to eat a lot more of the vegetable because it doesn't fill you up for as long so what do you do to ensure that you do feel energized and 
not um, tired from the way that you eat? Well, there can be a lot of reasons why you might be feeling tired. I think it's important to get to the bottom of why you feel tired. Is it from lack of sleep? Because so many people are deficient in sleep, um, especially as mums with little ones. Um, So maybe getting to the bottom of that root cause first. Um, Is it because you're lacking in iron or B12? Have a blood test done. Um, if you're going to get B12 looked at, don't just get B12 as a blanket looked at. Get active B12. So get, get an MMA test done, which will give you your active B12. Because like in the beginning when I first went vegan, I just had a B12 test done and I was deficient in it. Like you could see all the signs. Like I had the little thing that you get these little cuts in the corner of your mouth and they just don't heal. And so the, like they, the natural path was actually the person goes, no, you are deficient in B12. Uh, because I can tell by those little little things that aren't healing. Is B12 deficiency something you see often in someone who follows a plant-based diet or not necessarily? Not necessarily. Um, it, can be, it can happen to anyone because B12 is in the soil and with the lifestyles that we live these days, it's, uh, we don't get a lot of dirt or water from streams in our mouth, um, which is good because we don't get a lot of the illnesses that come with that as well. If you eat animal products, chances are that the products that you're eating have been supplemented with it while they've been in the feedstock um, and on the farm and everything like that. Whereas when you're vegan, you don't have that. You have to be responsible for the supplement yourself. And your body can store it for a long period of time. But if you have poor gut health, your body can't can't utilise it as well. So that's one of the issues I had in the beginning was I had poor gut health. I had inflammation no matter how much B12 I took. I, it just never seemed to really be enough for my body. And I just was having, it was just, wasn't being utilized properly. So once you work on your gut health and you can utilize these vitamins and, and minerals and nutrients better, your body does get more optimized um, to be able to take what it needs from the food and um, what it needs from your supplements and everything like that too. So that's why gut health and fiber and everything and prebiotics and probiotics, not just willy nilly, but like having a strategy when it comes to that kind of thing is so important. But yeah, it's B12 deficiency. It can, can happen to anyone. And it's, so it's important to be mindful of that. And if you have gut issues, you're going to be more prevalent to having a deficiency. That's so good to be aware of that. And I've noticed lately that I've become a lot more in tune with my body and I do have regular blood tests that I get done with just my overall blood count to make sure that I am not deficient in anything. And I think it's important that people do those tests at least once a year, if not more often, so that they can know what changes they need to make for their health. And you have a baseline as well. Like if I didn't have regular like iron tests, for example, it would be like my iron naturally sits fairly low, but that's just my body. And I know that because over seven, eight years that I've been having regular blood tests for my iron, that's where it always seems to sit. And it's not because I have any illness or because I have like one of the doctors in the beginning goes, oh, you might have low iron because your gut's not absorbing and you might have cancer. And I'm just like, oh, shit. But that's just like where my body sits. Yeah. I have like it, it doesn't store a lot of it but so my active like my I, there's like ferritin and hemoglobin whichever one's whichever one um so like the one that's like in in your bloodstream and everything those levels are fine but my stored levels are quite like just like borderline low I don't store a lot of it because whatever I'm using in my body is whatever I'm using but if you don't know that about your own body that it could be alarming and especially so you need to have that baseline you need to have that regular sort of contact with your body 
to find out what's going on so that you know and you can be like oh no that's just my body yeah yeah i listened to a podcast yesterday where they explained about the hemoglobin and the um, ferritin in your blood and how looking at just your iron number might not be enough you need to look at how your body actually stores it in like yeah the different numbers and things I found it really interesting um, so yeah just being educated around that so you know what's normal for your body because otherwise yeah it could be concerning if a doctor turns to you and go oh yeah you've got like a illness and then it's not anything to be concerned about. Yeah. Ashley had a question for you around the kids. She wanted to know when you go to birthday parties, how do you go about food for the kids being on a plant-based diet at home? Do you pack food for them or do you let them go rampant and then you're stuck with these crazy sugar high children who ate things that are not plant-based so how does that work we don't stop them from eating like vegan lollies and things like that like morrison likes licorice he'll eat vegan cupcakes and generally overall they don't eat a lot of sweet stuff so he'll eat like some chocolate occasionally but yeah we just make sure we've got vegan options for them they haven't been to a lot yet so i guess as they continue to get older they will and most of it has been like family things so we always make sure they always make sure they've got catered stuff for us but yeah if we're ever in doubt like if we're going to anywhere we will just pack pack something to make sure that they've got their snacks that they like and so yeah we haven't really had to deal with it too much yet but yeah just being prepared i guess is the is the main thing i don't don't have any issues with them enjoying enjoying sweets and stuff like that as for parties but yeah just making sure that there's a vegan option there for them what do you do with milk in bottles i know that you still breastfeed ziggy but um with morrison being a bit older now and on toddler milk what's your what do you give him we give him either oats or almond generally or sometimes soy just depending we just mix it up for him and just give him all different different kinds because there was at one stage there was in the media about don't give your child nut milks and have you done some research on that how is it different from giving them formula most of us don't even know what's in that uh, well they do have like a little thing on it so i think it says not suitable as a milk replacement for children under five but then the general advice is that only need to breastfeed children for at least one year and then you can just put them on water anyway if they're eating a full enough diet. So if you think about that, then it's no different to just putting them on water if they want to have some type of drink of different milk. Um, it's not really an issue. Yes, yeah, just another drink. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. All right, cool. Well, we've actually gone through all the questions that I had written down for you. I think we've covered a really good vast array of questions and ground there. It was really good to have like some questions from, from the Facebook group and, and be able to answer them. Yeah, I love having the Facebook group involved. I think it's so interesting because they often there's questions in there that I would have never thought to ask and then I'm just sitting here not saying a word, just hanging by every word that you're saying because it's just so interesting. <laughs> Where can our listeners find you on Instagram? My personal Instagram is at Amanda Rose Official um, and then we have the Herbidor one, which is at Herbidor, H-E-R-B-I-D-O-O-R. Perfect. I will put that in the show notes as well so people can find you. And yeah, again, thank you so much for coming on. Have a lovely day. You too. Thank you, Carmen. Well, that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Our Facebook group is called Balance with Carmen and Ashi. Make sure to join it for updates on upcoming episodes. Our socials are also found in the show notes. 
And here's your daily reminder to move your body, take your vitamins and drink your water. Until next time.